Good afternoon, everyone. Can you hear me? Yes. Excellent. You look really beautiful. Um, I'm a resolute man, and I'm used to speaking to mostly men when it comes to scripture. So it's, it's very nice to see such a diversity. You see, we men, we, we, we kind of keep it simple, blue, black, brown, you know. <laughs> so it really is a, it's a pleasure, and I'm truly honored to be sharing God's word with you this morning. Thank you, Lord, for, for your presence here. We're grateful because your word brings life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, slides, please. We are at war. Someone says where. Whether you know about it or not, whether you acknowledge it, do not acknowledge it, or do not care, whether you are prepared to fight, ill-prepared to fight, or not prepared to fight, we are at war. Not with human beings made to look like, live like, interact like God, but with spirits that cannot be seen with the human eye. Not a war for land, oil, water, or diamonds. We are at war. Satan, the king of the opposition, is raging. The army of Satan is livid and active. It refuses to give up. It has nothing to lose and everything to gain. It seeks to hold captive, to trip, to confuse, to discourage one more human made after God's image. It seeks one more slave. He hides, that is Satan, in the everyday, camouflaged in my view, prowling for a way to destroy me and you. He tricks us in ways we cannot see when we are not watching out. When we don't make him flee, he sneaks in our thoughts. He slithers in our homes, work, play, and churches. He finds our loved ones, and he fights for their souls. We are at war. There is one greater, stronger, faster, mightier, bigger, smarter than Satan. He is supreme. The Alpha and the Omega. The all-knowing, all-powerful creator of all things, including Satan. He knows all Satan is capable of, and he has the only vantage point. He is the image of the invincible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. 
the end of the war has been seen. The final outcome of the war is certain. The winner of the war has been declared. His name is Jesus. He is the Messiah, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. It says in Philippians 2, it says, At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, whether in heaven or on earth or under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. There is a battle going on in and around you and me. And the battle is for you. The battle is for you and you. The battle rages on every day of our lives. It would only cease when we take our last breath or when Jesus comes. God had a plan. It was a great plan. God had a beautiful plan. In fact, we know about the plan of God from the first sentence out of God's mouth when he taught about man. He said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. God's plan was family. That plan has not changed. He planned to have a family that looks like him, plays like him, laughs like him, behaves like him. That plan has not changed today. That plan is still active. Scripture says Satan, who was the anointed cherub in Ezekiel chapter 28, it says he was perfect in beauty. He was created perfect. He was the anointed cherub that covered it. In other words, he was the cherub near to the throne room of God. And he provided covering for God. Scripture says in Ezekiel 28 verse 12, it says, In him, Lucifer, were the instruments of praise. Can you imagine? He didn't have to pick up a saxophone. He just needed to... That was Lucifer. He didn't like that plan. He was livid about that plan. And Isaiah had a peek into what happened when Lucifer rebelled. In Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12, Isaiah saw and he said, How art thou falling from heaven, O Lucifer? Son of the morning, how art thou cast down to the earth and weakened the nations? For you said in your heart, and this is Lucifer, says, I will ascend to heaven. I would exalt my throne above the stars of God. This is Lucifer, the anointed cherub who was created perfect. He said... I will exalt myself above the clouds of heaven. I will be like the Most High. 
That was Lucifer's plan. Isaiah saw what God did. God exiled Lucifer to the earth. And the earth was shaken as a result of that exile. So Isaiah says, How art thou falling, O Lucifer, son of the morning? Satan is absolutely livid that you and I have the privilege of God's heart. You and I are the apple of God's heart. He loves us passionately that he gave his only son that you and I can enjoy him. Satan will have none of that. And that's why in 1 Peter 5 verse 8, it says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, your enemy, just in case you didn't know, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He's not a lion. He never was. He's just prowling, looking for anyone to devour who would accept him as a lion. God's plan was always that in Christ, he may gather all things under heaven and on earth and under the earth, under Christ, in Christ. He says in Ephesians 1, Blessed be the God of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. Join me, say all. All spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. In Christ. I am complete in Christ. I am redeemed in Christ. I am whole in Christ. I am saved in Christ. I am favored in Christ. In Christ, I met the most beautiful woman in my life. <laughs> in Christ, I courted that woman. In Christ, I married that woman. In Christ, I am enjoying that woman. The greatest miracles of my life have been in Christ. In Christ, we have the most wonderful sons that we could ever have dreamt of. We didn't dream of them in Christ. Someone says, when everything is okay, I'll be born again. It does not work that way. The DNA of humanity is that in Christ I am whole. You cannot come to Christ whole. Then there's no point you being in Christ. Because in Christ we are complete. I just want to uh, salute my family. They were part of this message. So I'm not doing this solo. We are at war. The war has been won, but there are battles to be fought. Join me as we read 
God's word together in Ephesians chapter 6, from verse 10 to 18. The church is the army that the Lord has raised up to fight this war. Let's read together. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep praying. The church is the army that God has prepared. Put on the full armor of God so you may stand. Put on the belt of truth. The first piece of armor that is mentioned in that scripture is the belt of truth. There is a reason for that. The belt of the soldier of that time held everything together. It held the breastplate, it held the the skirts, It held together the critical pieces that made the soldier feel safe. In terms of spiritual armor, the belt of truth is key to us being armed for the battle. The belt of truth permeates every other piece of armor. What is truth? Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. He's not trying to make you comfortable. He's just telling you the truth. He said, I am the truth. Do you believe that Jesus is who he says he is? Are you convinced that the Bible is God's inspired, unadulterated word? Is this a good book? Or is this God's word? Everything in here was permitted by God to be here. The parts that make you rejoice and the parts that make you uncomfortable. 
Are you convinced when Jesus said, except a man or a woman be born again, you will not see the kingdom of heaven? You see, if we're going to fight the enemy, the first place that we need to be certain we have clarity is truth. And so the belt of truth is about acceptance. It's not about, does it make sense? Can my mind wrap itself around this? It's about, do I accept the word of God and what Jesus said he is? It's about acceptance. It's about acceptance. Now, someone says, does that mean I shouldn't question the word of God? No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I come to the word accepting it as God's word. When I query it, it's because I want to understand. Because God has given me a mind. But if I come to this word with I'll just read it and just see if there's anything good in there. If it doesn't work for me, you know what? I look for another book. Now, when I do that, I am naked before the enemy because the belt of truth is not in place. A soldier who is unwilling to accept his calling to defend his country and accept the instructions, training, and commands of his superior officer who's got a bird's-eye view of the battle ahead. That soldier is an easy target for the enemy because that soldier is all alone. I accept who I am, made in God's image and likeness. I'm a member of God's glorious family. Truth, accept it. That's the first place. The second piece of armor is the breastplate of righteousness. It's the breastplate of righteousness. That is the piece of armor that covers the thorax, the abdomen. That piece of armor is meant to protect the most critical pump in the body. It's called the heart. It's called the heart. Remember, this war that you and I are fighting is not a war with swords and, you know, physical shields. It's about thoughts. It's about imaginations. It's about vision. It's about ideas. That's the war we're fighting. I'm not sure how many of you during worship, uh, and you know, I'm, I'm a bit uncomfortable saying so, but I sensed that there may have been someone during worship, you raised up your hand and you were worshiping, and suddenly a picture came into your mind or something that you watched last night or something that you said or did that did not please you nor God. And a sense of guilt grabbed you. 
That is the battle that is on. Okay. It is not a physical battle. It is a battle of thoughts, of culture that has been cultivated over time by the ideas and the ideologies of men. And the battle is for you, and you, and you. Why do I need the breastplate of righteousness? Because the heart is the source of motivation. It's the source of passion. It's the source of zest, of zeal. That is where someone wakes up in the morning and says, yes, today is Monday. I'm looking forward to my day. It's from the heart. And you know how the enemy comes to kill that zest? It's in the place of righteousness or unrighteousness. There are two types of righteousness that Scripture speaks about. The first is imputed righteousness. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for me, that I may be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I, I did nothing to qualify for that gift. Or, whatever I did wrong did not disqualify me from that gift. God gave me that gift simply because he loved me. It doesn't matter what you've done or what you didn't do. There is a gift of life given to you. It's, it's called grace. Jesus came to take my place in your place that you and I might be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So when I wake up in the morning and I'm really feeling good about life and the enemy says, you are nothing, I can say, you know what? I've been given a gift. It's called righteousness. God sees me. He's excited about me. Because he sees Jesus in me. That's imputed righteousness. There is also, secondly, imparted righteousness. Because of this gift that I've received, I live my life the way God ordained for me to live my life. I live my life as one created in the image and in the likeness of God. So, when the enemy comes against me, there is a confidence that I am living according to the ways that God wants me to live. Because I've received righteousness by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross of Calvary, but I have also walked out my day righteousness, righteously. Someone says, can I be sinless? Not likely, no. But you can sin less each day. <laughs> if I walk in the light, First John, as you are in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. 
And the blood of Jesus Christ does what? Cleanses us from all sin. So God is not intimidated by the fact that you make a mistake. That you didn't know, but you told a lie. But when you remember you told a lie, you said, Lord, I just told a lie. I am terribly sorry. That will not happen again. He's not tripped by that. The blood of his, of his son has taken care of that. But there is a righteousness that comes upon the soldier, the one who has given his or her life to Jesus, that allows you to say to the enemy, I am a child of God. Proverbs 28 verse 1 says, the righteous are as bold as a lion. There is a boldness that comes when I walk in the place of righteousness. Put on the shoes, your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And I tell you that you are Peter, this is Jesus speaking, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. When the, when the army go out to battle in the times of the Romans, they needed to have shoes that had greaves under them. And the reason for those shoes were that it was typical that as they advanced, there will be traps on the road. Those shoes protected them from standing still, from falling down. Those shoes were their protection as they moved as an army. A church that ignores the gospel is a stationary church. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against that church. It is a church that is advancing. A Christian who does not see their testimony as vital to be shared is a soldier who has just been tripped. And can you imagine God's army all around you advancing and you're on the floor? What happens? Everyone is going forward. And you are saying, you know what? This is a private arrangement between God and I. You know, this Christian thing, it's, it's between God and I. doesn't involve anyone else. God says, I am building my church. My church is moving forward. Do you want to be part of it? Stand up. Let's share the gospel. Let's engage discipleship. Let's preach the gospel. Those are the shoes that we're being called to put on. It says being ready to share the gospel. A church passionate about sharing the gospel in this world is an advancing church. The church is matching on. Join the match. Preach the gospel. Share your testimony. Remember, the war is about ideas. It's about thoughts. It's about ideologies. Take on the shield of faith by which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now, all the armor we've been looking at are very defensive, isn't it? Okay. 
Now I've got a shield. Okay, I've got in my left hand a shield. Now I'm moving from accepting to I have studied God's word. I have internalized God's word. I know God. I know the God that I'm serving. He's a great God. He's a God who answers prayers. He's a God who will never leave me, who will never forsake me. He's a God who says, if I follow him diligently, I will be blessed. So when the enemy comes against me and says, God has forsaken you, I know. I know whom I have believed. And, he's, and I'm persuaded that he is able. I know. That is faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. You know, faith, faith has weight. Faith is not this fuzzy, nice, Faith is, I know. I know who I have believed. I am made in God's image. When the enemy says, you are useless, he, he just whispers, you are useless. And you see, Satan whispers. He whispers so quietly that we don't hear it in decibels. We only hear it in our minds, right? He whispers. And somehow it's easy to presume that he can read your mind. He cannot. He's only good at whispering. So when those conversations are going on in your head, right? Your response should be similar. I know. Mm, I know. I know the God that I serve. He is good. He is good. For without faith it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Christ has redeemed me from every curse under the law. I know. Satan says you are cursed. I <laughs> Christ has redeemed me from every curse under the law. As far as my family is concerned, we've been caught from that curse. It will no longer have an effect on us because he died on the tree that the blessings of Abraham might come upon me, through Christ Jesus. Take on the helmet of salvation. Remember, the belt of truth permeates every item of scripture. What do I need a helmet for? To protect where? The head. Reason. Cog cognition. Logic. Fact. Did God say that you are saved? Are you sure you are saved? Christians don't do that. Eh? I am saved. 
I am saved. With my heart, I believed unto righteousness. With my mouth, I confessed to salvation. I am saved. Jesus said, except a man be born again, he shall not see the kingdom of heaven. I'm born again. I remember when I gave my heart to Jesus. I'm born again. The helmet of salvation. It's all about assurance. Thomas Brooks said, Satan knows that assurance is a pearl of such price that will make the soul happy forever. He knows that assurance makes a Christian's wilderness to be a paradise. He knows that assurance begets in Christians the most noble and generous spirits. He knows that assurance is that which will make men strong to do exploits, to shake his tottering kingdom about his ears, and therefore, is very studious and industrious to keep souls off from assurance as he was to cast Adam out of paradise. Take on the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You know, a lot of what we've been talking about has been what is happening in here. We get to a point where as believers, we need to say to the enemy, I know. We need to speak it. We need to sing it. We need to pray it. I know who I am. I am made in God's image and likeness. When the enemy came to Jesus, Jesus said, No, absolutely not. What did Jesus say? It is written. I remember catching myself once in a lecture room saying, get out. (laughs) I was having this conversation in my mind and it was not nice. It wasn't nice. So I had to get to a point where I verbalized it. God is calling you and I to verbalize. You know why? Because the enemy does not know what you're thinking. He's waiting for a response. If we do not respond, then he assumes he can give us more. And sometimes that response needs to be audible. It is written. It is written. Sometimes that response could simply be, this is how we overcome, overcome. This is how we, the enemy needs a response. He really does. Sometimes the response is, can I ask you to just join me? Just rise up, just rise up. Sometimes the response is, come brothers and sisters, please Just stretch out your hands towards Pastor Lereko. Sometimes the response is, bless him. Can we just pray for him? Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for this man of God. We bless him. His family is blessed. His going out is blessed. His coming in is blessed. You will lack no good thing. You are our leader. 
we submit, we celebrate you. May the protection of the Almighty be upon you in the name of Jesus. This is how we overcome. It is written, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are not of this world. We do not wage war as those that are of this world. For the weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought. You know, you've got to get to that place where you say to a thought, stop it. Get out. You do not serve all the things of Jesus. Get out. The minute we don't respond, he sends more and more. And then those become conversations and conversations that become strongholds because we have allowed them to entertain. Sooner or later, as leaders in society, those strongholds begin to work out. And that's why God's church is marching on. Remember, the war has a definite end. Yeah. It has been seen. Yeah. The victor is known. His name is Jesus. Yeah. Can we rise together? Father, thank you. Thank you so much for the privilege to be reminded of what it is you have given to us. To be part of this war whose outcome has already been predicted. Thank you that as believers we can join you in seeing our, our world become like the Eden that you created. We thank you because you're building an army. Thank you because you're building a family. I'd like to just, re just, just ask Jesus said I am the way, the truth and the life. Jesus said, come to me. Everyone who is heavy laden, who is carrying weights, and I'll give you rest. I'll make you part of my family. That's what Jesus said. If you haven't given your heart to him, you are struggling with all these battles that the enemy will not stop raging against you because you are not part of God's family. Your mind is a battlefield as you sleep. Your mind is a battlefield as you wake. There are dreams that are terrorizing you night after night. Life is a nightmare. And you're saying, 
I do not want this to continue. Jesus paid the price for this. I'd like to ask you, please raise your hands. We would like to welcome you into God's family if that's you. Take the bold step and come into the house of your father prepared for you long before you were born. Is there anyone here whose hands are raised up and saying, I'd like to be part of that family? I believe, I accept that Jesus is the, 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 the way, the only way to the Father. Is there anyone here who is saying, I lift up my hands, signifying my decision to give my heart to Jesus? Anyone? All right. Father, thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Just pray over my brothers and my sisters here this afternoon. They are blessed because they are part of your family. In Christ, we are complete. In Christ, we are complete. In Christ, we are whole. We just speak forth victory over every battle. Every battle in the mind, every battle at work, every battle... At school, every battle, at home, at play, we just speak victory because the truth of Jesus wins. We're grateful in Jesus' name. Amen.